to begin, I just want to tell you a story. Ever since, um, when I was a little kid, my dad came home one day, with some of you will have no idea what I'm talking about, but others of you will. He came home with a deluxe Atari video game system. It had Pong, it had Space Invaders. Ty, do you remember that game? It wasn't Pong tough, it was difficult. And Centipede. Great games, fantastic games, classic. But I started playing a lot of them, and I can remember my sister Steph and other people would say, quit playing those games. They're going to rot your brain. They're going to rot your brain. You know what? I, I don't know. The older I've gotten, and the more I've let my kids play them, games from like Mario, Zelda, then Black Ops, and even Fortnite, I'm not so sure. I think video games can be really good for you, actually. They do monopolize time. I will admit they'll, they monopolize a lot of your time. But sometimes I think kids play video games because it is more true to life than the insulated suburban soft plastic life that we've been raised in in the United States. Suburbia and modern America says, insulate your little kids, coddle them, and don't let them ever experience any difficulties because they deserve so much better. And so we have... It's like we've put safety tape around our kids the rest of their life. We don't want them to have any trials or pain. And we want them to have nothing but ease and comfort. If your daughter wants to watch Frozen 17 times, let her watch it 18. If your son wants to play on a baseball team, dad, you need to coach so he can be the starting pitcher. It's the way it goes. It's the way it is. And with video games, though, there's a different, there's a different philosophy. If you want to get better, you need to defeat bigger bosses. I used to play Mario, one, two, and three, and I love Mario 3. Who here has ever played Mario 3? You know, the, I think there's a lot more of you who have, you just don't want to admit your brains are rotted along with me. And yes, my brain is rotted. But the thing about Mario 3 is this. If you want to win, you need to defeat bigger bosses. Everybody understands that. When you'd go to the castle and Bowser was there, all you had to do was jump on his head three times and he gave you a key. It was great, but you got better. And the better you got, the higher you went, and the higher you went, the bigger the boss. Everybody who plays video games understands that. But somehow, in our Christian world, or even in our, in our safety net America, we want everything to be easy. Peaches and cream with every meal. Get me a tutor to do all my homework. Entertain me. You know what Christianity 101 teaches? Here's, here's Christianity 101 in America. Jesus died on the cross so you can sit on the couch. I call this sheep mode or little lammy mentality. When someone comes to Christ, there's this unwritten expectation that life is going to be easy. Right? Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But the question is, how do you define rest? Is rest ease and comfort? Or is rest freedom from sin and the bondage to sin and lust and anger? What is rest? If rest is ease, I'm going to submit to you everything we're going to read today makes no sense. It's, let's rip out chapter 10 from Matthew, if that's what ease means. But I believe as we go in Matthew 10, part 2, 
I think the point of this is Jesus is going to talk to us as sheep, and he's going to help us think differently, to gird up our minds, to think better. And that's why I'm calling this sheep psychology. And we're going to start in Matthew 16, or 10, 16, and this is part two, really, of our Matthew 10 series. Here's what it says in verse 16. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Look at verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death. Hmm. And a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. This is a great morning devotional for you to start your day. Like, what? All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master. The head of the house, which is the master, has been called Beelzebub, which means prince of demons or lord of the flies. How much more should the members or even his servants be called that? So, verse 26 Do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. When I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight what is whispered in your ear. Proclaim it on the roofs. Do not be afraid of those. This is is amazing. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This really isn't an upbeat section of Scripture, if we're honest about it. And if we take it honestly, this is scary, terrifying. But I want to remind you where we've been. So last week we talked about Jesus is the king. He's got a kingdom. The kingdom's moving forward, and he employs warfare tactics of Deuteronomy 20. Deuteronomy 20 says, when you come to lay siege, to destroy and annihilate a city, before you do, send out ambassadors, peace ambassadors, and make peace. If they make peace, they join the kingdom. If they don't make peace, bad. They're annihilated. So last week we said, the kingdom we are seeing march forward is one that is not flesh and blood, but spiritual. And you and I are the ambassadors making peace. And our peace contract is simple. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. So the stakes in this battle are pretty high. If somebody refuses, they get annihilated eternally. And I'm not saying this as a threat. I'm saying it as a fact. If you want to read something chilling, Later on in your devotional time, read Psalm 50, 16 to 22. Basically says, those who ignore God, God isn't saying anything. He's remaining quiet. But there's going to be a day when God speaks, and it's going to be bad. He's going to rebuke people to their face, and he's going to tear them to pieces with none to rescue. 
It's really nice. I can remember a discussion between a Christian theologian and an atheist. And the atheist um, was discussing the eternal future of Gandhi. The atheist could not understand how a man as kind as Gandhi, a guy who wouldn't even use this against the fly because he did not believe in that, when he dies, how, what would happen to him? He wouldn't be condemned. Surely not. Surely not. But the theologian said, you're starting from the wrong point. He basically said, you are assuming a mere mortal man can face a holy God and survive. You're missing two points. Number one, you don't know how disgusting we are. It's called depravity of man. And the second thing, you don't know how holy God is. So today we're going to continue in this battle scenario. It's part two of the series in Matthew 10. And the crazy thing in is, starting in verse 16, we're going to learn about the ambassadors. The guys, the people sent out to convince the world of God's greatness and power. And I have to be honest with you, the ambassadors God sends out, they're not that impressive. <laughs> Let's face it, I wouldn't send them out. I would not choose these guys as ambassadors for a holy king, like sheep. Man, so if I'm going to get this straight, verse 16 says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. All right, so let's just think about this a second. The world that God is trying to win is full of red-toothed and sharp-clawed predators, and his ambassadors are juicy <laughs> little sheep that the wolf wants to devour. Yes, exactly. That sounds like God is leading us like lambs to the slaughter. Exactly. It's not easy serving Christ. Remember, number one, this is a peace mission, not a siege plan. The final battle is coming. It will be bad so bad the nation's blood is going to go up to the armies, the soldiers, horses of Christ. It's going to reach the bridles. God refers to that day as the treading of the wine press, but today's not that day. Today I call it a partial arm, um, temporary armistice. We are just here delivering terms of peace. And we, 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 we give it like this. Isaiah 118, come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as wool. You can be like us, sheep. So we need to act the part of peace. How do we do this? The second part of verse 16, Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. So there's two parts to our mentality. And I think we stick on this first one and we don't get to the other. But the first one makes sense. We are to be innocent. Cause no harm. We are to warn people, have mercy on them, because they don't know what they're doing, they're blind. We are not to engage in evil, because we're saints, as holy people. However, we're also to be shrewd, as serpents. And shrewdness means, don't be dumb. Really, don't be stupid anymore. Snakes, the idea of snakes, one writer said, snakes understand how to stay alive. They're self-protective. They're cunning in the sense of self-preservation. R.T. France writes, we need to have the cunning of snakes without the venom. 
In truth, every person on earth, every single person on earth, before they know Jesus, has the heart of a wolf. It's called the depravity of man. Alexander Solzhenitsyn writes, if only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts to the heart of every person, every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? The problem with Christians is they forget the second part. They forget that we are among wolves. Yesterday, it's funny, I went to my son's game in Carroll. I'll talk a little bit more. That's up in Wisconsin. I brought my, my family with me. And as we're walking to the stadium, they're having a tailgating party. I mean, the whole school is having a tailgating party. And by tailgating party, I mean the beer is flowing a lot. And then we get into our seats, and they are, <laughs> they are flying high, if you know what I mean. And they were just like, were, uh, that was me. I was as blind and stupid as a dumb zombie. Drunkenness makes you dumb. And I saw it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. People really do have hearts that just don't care. But we, because we're Christians, we've hammered in our minds and in our children's minds the innocent side of life. And rightly so. We're new creatures. The old is gone, the new has come. We have a new nature. We have formed very strong convictions. Specifically, our convictions of remaining undefiled. But in our new mindset, we forget the world hasn't changed. The world finds no value in our convictions. And like wolves, like the dangerous predators that they are, they will often use our own convictions against us. How do I know this? Because I used to be a wolf. I know how they operate. And if anything, if anything, wolves are more dangerous than they've ever been before because depravity has more hold on our mainstream. And that demands us to be more shrewd and crafty than we've ever been before. That's Jesus' whole point with this section. He's saying, be on guard. And we're going to talk about five areas where we need to be on guard. We are... Here's what I think the reason why I think it's becoming worse is because we have lost our salt. Salt preserves. And we've remained silent. So, the rotten spreads. So I'm just going to ask you guys, wake up. Quit being so gullible. And that's the first thing. Is sheep, we have a tendency to be very gullible. Because we're told not to lie, Spirit of God takes over a person's life. He works on truth. No more lies. And then God wants us to love people, to take, take them at their word, even people in our own home. Love trusts. So what happens naturally to us is we start assuming that people are telling us the truth. We trust them. But Jesus knows we are battling a very dark world and there are dangerous forces in the world. Ephesians 2 says... Did you know that the prince of the air is at work in the children of disobedience right now? Tempting, manipulating, lying. That is why Jesus says, look at verse 21. 
Look at verse 21. So he said, brother will betray brother to death. And a father, his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Brother will betray brother. What? A brother will betray a brother? This paints a terrible picture. That people in your own household might not be as true to Jesus as you may think. And if they are not true, the more you follow Jesus, the more they will hate you. What? That's the whole idea of betrayal. Betrayal is deceitful hatred. Wolves will often say what they think. We want to hear to fool us. Why do people betray? That's the first question. To save their own skin because wolves are selfish. And in their selfishness, they lie. Some scholars will say this statement here in verse 21 can really only be applied to the second coming, to the end times events. But I, I want to tell you something. This same selfish, self-protective nature of the wolf is right now in all of us. It just needs the right scenario for it to be seen. In the end times, when things get hot and heavy, will be obvious. People will be under pressure to stay alive. But now, you know, things are easy. But just get them in the right situation, and the fangs come out. I'll tell you, too. Have you ever been around a family when one of a family member dies and they leave a lot of money behind? The sharp teeth come out quick. People will lie and scheme against their own family just to get more money. Say it isn't so. Be a pastor for a while. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. The sharp teeth come out. It's terrifying watching those nature shows when a, there's a dead carcass of an animal and wolves are ripping that carcass away from each other so they can have more. Same idea. When I first started ministry, I'd, I would trust parents and teenagers a lot, what they told me. I wouldn't doubt what they told me. I wanted to be a nice pastor. So I trusted them. But how quickly I learned. I had this one guy, so I, I wanted senior hires to help with the junior hires. So I'd look for senior hires with good character. In this one senior hire, I was training to work with the junior hires, and somebody knew that. It was in my youth group. They came up to me and go, you know that guy you're training? Yeah. I was at a party with him last week, and he was drunk in his own vomit, passed out. Oh. So I took the guy out to a lunch. And I said, hey, tell me, do you drink? He said, no, I don't drink. I said, do you get drunk? Do you like to get drunk? He said, oh, I don't get drunk. Okay. Can I ask you one more question? He said, sure. I said, what if I can tell you that two people saw you at a party last week, passed out in your own vomit? Was that you? He said, yeah, that was me. I said, what just happened? What just, how in the world did we go from straight-faced, I don't, to I do? It's the heart of a wolf. Wolves lie. And if you lie, be very careful. Because sheep, two True sheep don't lie. Second thing is that sheep like to be nice. It's a lot like the first one, but this is becoming a massive problem, I think, with Christians. We are just too nice. Philippians 2 says treat other people better than yourself. Ephesians 5 says be kind to each other. In fact, what that does, you roll that into a ball, and it just means we are just to be nice, as if niceness is the highest Christian ideal, where we never should say a negative thing about anybody. 
So when people tell us what they do and what they like to do, especially when they do things that are clearly against Scripture, we think Christians are just to listen and get a look like this. That's called empathy. That's an empathetic look. Like that. And then take their word for it and don't say anything. But that's really not what empathy is. Empathy is warning people about a ferocious king. I'll talk about that in a second. But look how wolves think in verse 22. Wolves think like this. All men will hate you because of me. Wolves hate Jesus. They hate him. In a person's natural state of sin, there is no affection for Jesus. And they primarily hate him because he's king. He's in charge. People don't think Jesus has a right to demand moral perfection. They get mad at him. They get mad at Jesus when his word is really, his word is so clear. It's really kind of simple. I'll just, I'll read some things of the rule of the king. Really simple. Jesus says marriage is between a man and a woman. He says something about a man shall marry a woman, let no man tear that union asunder. He says something about that. He says a lot about having sex outside the bounds of marriage. He says lust is a sin and pornography too. Sin means something that deserves wrath. He says drunkenness is sin. There are only two genders, and it's determined by biology. You can read that in Genesis. Killing a baby in a womb is murder because it says that baby in a womb is a person. And even something, I know people don't like this. I don't know why this offends people. But even something as basic as if a person doesn't work, they, they're idle, they can work, but they don't work. They really shouldn't eat. And on and on his rule goes. And instead of agreeing to his law, laws, wolves justify and scheme for ways to avoid his rule. And they want us to feel sorry for them, actually. They'll say it like this, I know I'm a man, I, I just can't help lusting after other men. I'm sorry. I think I deserve to be paid from the coffers of people who are much richer and privileged than I am. Maybe you're right. I don't, I don't need to be married to live with someone because love is love, you know? That's the way I'm made. Love is love. On and on, the excuses go, and the wolf even tells, if a, if a person's really Christian, the wolf will say, they should show compassion. So they use our own values against us, even though they don't play by our rules. But they want us to play by our rules. It's like, I remember playing basketball with a guy. He's in here, but I won't point him out. Where are you, Mark? I won't point him out. I was playing basketball with, with Mark at the blue gym. Remember the old blue gym? Every time I go up for a layup, Mark would tackle me in the side of the blue gym. I'd say, Mark, are we playing football or basketball? He'd say, we're playing basketball. Okay. I went up for a layup. He'd tackle me in the blue gym. Mark, are we playing football or basketball? We're playing basketball. All right. The third time he tackled me, I said, all right, no problem. He got a layup. I think I took his head off. He goes, what are you doing? We're playing basketball. Oh, I thought we were. You know, the rule, have the rules changed? <laughs> Wolves love it when the rules change, and they want us to play by our rules. Mark, you're a wolf. Danger. <laughs> you look like one, and it is Hall Halloween. Anyhow, I will continue. So, Mark, you got me off. Where are we? All right. So... People will say this, so, you know, 
the poor kid wants to wear a dress and act like a girl, though he's a boy, how could you be so cold-hearted and judge him? Hey, I know the guy who, there's this guy who used to drink a lot. He'd get drunk off. And he'd come to my office and he'd say, but you don't understand, Pastor. I said, no, I do because I like beer. He goes, but you're a pastor. Oh, so pastor's the only one supposed to be Christian. Third way sheaves think is they think we are to be at peace. And this plays right into the wolf's hand. We are told to do everything we can to live at peace with all men, make no waves, cause no conflict, shut up and let people be. That's how we interpret Romans 12, 18. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And I'll tell you what, wolves know how to use this against us to keep us quiet. They know the more we stay silent, the more they can get away with their schemes and evil intentions. Psalm 10, 7 and 8 in the NLT says, They, wolves, carry a mouthful of curses and lies. Their tongues spit venom like adders. They hide behind ordinary people and they pounce. And if you dare to oppose them, they bite. They bite. Look at verses 23 through 25. 23, when you are persecuted, that means they're wanting to chase you around and hurt you. They bite, flee to another. And this is, this is end time stuff. We'll get to that later in Matthew. Tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Look at verse 25. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher, meaning if this is how Jesus was treated, don't, don't be surprised. How is Jesus treated? He was called Beelzebub, a demon. They didn't like him. So they will call you all kind of names and you disagree with them. If you say abortion's murder, they'll say you're too political. If you say homosexuality's wrong, they will call you a hater. If you say a child needs a mom and a dad, they will call you a Neanderthal. Who needs to be enlightened? If you say that we should judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, they will say you're only judging, saying that because of the color of your skin. Everything is about shutting up the witness of God. That's how they work. Wolves bite. Go to Acts chapter 5. Peter was preaching the gospel. You don't have to go there now. I'm saying on your own. Read Acts chapter 5. He's, he's presenting the gospel. Sanhedrin say, if you do it again, we're going to throw you in jail. He keeps preaching the gospel. They throw him in jail. But he had an angel with a key, kept letting him out. It's kind of a good deal. That happens sometimes. Anyhow, let's go to the next one. A sheep believes, a sheep is timid by nature. They are fuzzy. Little fellas. They don't have, they don't have fangs. They don't have claws. They really were not made to fight back. I feel the same way a lot of times in this world. You know, and wolves know this. So they like to bring fear into our lives. That's why Jesus said 26 through 31. Listen closely and read it like this. Verse 26. So, do not be afraid. Of them, There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. That means God, God is your witness. He knows what goes on in the darkness. And if you declare it from the rooftop, he's going to proclaim your name. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not 
be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can both destroy the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And not even the very hairs on your head. They're all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many teeny little, very uh, insignificant sparrows. Don't be afraid. I said it three times. And the reason why is because the battle's real. When you start living for Christ and start speaking up, the wolves will pounce. And they will try to kill you. That's why he's talking about, don't worry about the death of your body. You know what you need to worry about is your soul. If Jesus uses people, think of it like this. If Jesus uses people to spread his gospel, Satan uses people to try to stop it. So don't be surprised. You know, if we sing a few happy songs, hand out some trick-or-treats from our trunks and smile, people turn to Jesus. That's what we think. But for the first 23 years of my life, Jesus was wimpy to me. He's kind of like that wimpy God. He's sweet, sweet, nice guy that would hold little lambs like that, you know. And if I sinned, I really thought, I viewed God as he'd slap me in the back, rub my hair a little bit and say, don't worry, fella, I forgive you. Just make sure you don't do it again. And if you do get caught, come back and see me Sunday. But if I read this rightly, Jesus is going to send people to hell. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth like that baby. It's going to be bad. So, verse 28, look at it. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Is Jesus serious? This question changed my life on this verse. I've told this story often, but it still shocks me. I was going to a Bible study when I was in college. And going to that Bible study, there was a lot of good-looking, young, rich co-eds. And good-looking, young, rich co-eds like to sound compassionate and sophisticated. So when we were talking about the issue of hell, they all, most of them said, God, is, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, I have a sister, Stephanie. Stephanie is kind of a nonconformist. She likes to make people mad, kind of, especially pretty girls. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And this made her mad, this statement. She's... She, in the middle of the group, there's about 20 students there, she said, but Jesus talks about hell a lot. That's a good point, Steph. So I looked at the minister and I asked him this. I said, what do you think? Is hell real or not? And here's what he said to me. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. I was driving home. <laughs> My sister going, could... Is there anything bigger than that? Is there a bigger deal than that? Wow. And I, thinking back on that discussion, I faintly remember the, the minister licking his teeth. They're a little bloody and sharp. Let's go to the final one. <laughs> be submissive. That's, we're all told to be submissive. 
Sheep are submissive. And in our new nature, we have learned humility in putting other people before us. We've been given authority figures, pastors, parents, teachers, government officials. We're told to do the best we can to comply. Romans 13 is clear about it. But wolves know that too. Wolves love compliance. They really do. They use it brilliantly. And because of that, they come in all kinds of disguises. Some really weird ones. Look at verse 34 to 38. This is shocking. If you read it rightly. Verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I thought he's the prince of peace. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn... A man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Again, anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What? People in your own household, your own parents, they might be in disguise? Give you a quick example. A guy in a youth group when I was a youth pastor was really excited about becoming a pastor. I took him to Moody Bible Institute to just see what it's like. He came home geared up. I want to go in the ministry. He was, he should have. He's gifted. He went home. He told his dad. His dad came over to my house the next day, knocked on the door. Yes? Stay away from my son. And we're never coming back to this church again. They left the church, they haven't returned, and I won't tell you what's happened to him over the years, let's just say it's sad. Some people don't like Jesus. Some will say, I thought family was a good thing, I thought peace was a good thing, I thought love for those in your house is a good thing. Why would Jesus say this? Why? Because if you remember what this section is about, the kingdom is on the march. The king is sending ambassadors. Ambassadors are looking for new citizens. What this is about is about loyalty to a king. It's about allegiance. That's why verse 27 or 37 says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me, loyalty is about more than. Is Jesus more important than the way you've been raised? Is he more important with the buddies at the bar? Is Jesus more important than the salary that your dad wants you to get? Allegiance will always be tested. And the question is, who does your heart belong to? Verse 38 says it's even about worth. Look at verse 38. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Worth saying he's worth it. Worship is the same word. It's all about worth. Is Jesus worthy to be worshipped? Is he worth it? Is he worth it? You know, it's easy to worship Jesus with a song. It's easy to worship Jesus by reading the daily bread in the morning. It's easy to worship Jesus by shaking hands with people in the congregation. But when the wolves start circling you, it's hard. It's hard. And by the way, from verses 42, the end of the chapter, if you do your job well, if you do your job well, you'll be rewarded. But you have to be loyal to the king. And I'll just be honest with you, 
No one as an ambassador does heaven any good by complying or fraternizing with wolves. By complying with them, agreeing with them, or fraternizing with them when it's challenging allegiance to Christ. Wolves, I'll, I'll give you an insight as a wolf. Wolves are never impressed because you are nice and peaceful and submissive and timid. A wolf will not say, wow, I want to serve the king because his servants are so sweet to me and so nice and they never make me mad. Do you know what impresses wolves? Some animal that can destroy them. They're scared of the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. That's who wolves will submit to if they see him in all of his glory. That's just the truth. So if you do your job well, the more reward you get. But remember, the bigger the reward, the bigger the boss you have to fight. I raised two sons who are now growing up, and I shared with them my love for sport. I did. I wanted them, however, to own the love of sport. At the beginning of every season, I'd sit with Joseph and Gio, and I would tell them they didn't have to join. But if they did join, either football, soccer, whatever they played, they did join, they could not quit that year. It was going to be hard, because you have to go to practice every day. You've got to get bruised up. But rewards are great. Camaraderie, fun. The accolades, even winning championships, it's fun. The older they got, the more advanced they got in their skills. But it also got harder because the bosses got bigger. I can remember their first Rocket game when they were in second and third grade. And they lost. And they were a little, they were a little teary-eyed. You know, they had the sleeve of their jerseys. They wiped their eyes. But I just took them to Speedway and got them a slushie. And it was great. They forgot the whole thing. Can we play again? You know, like one of those things. They were sad, a few tears, but I told them I'm really proud of them because they went to practice the next week and they continued. One continued in soccer and the other in football, and they both kept getting better and better. The older they got, the more and more the people they started out playing with quit. Why? The reason's obvious. The competition is more determined to stop them. It never got easier. I do have one son, Gio, who is still playing in college. And let me tell you, college is not rocket football. It's not high school football. And it's, does it look easy? Here, here he is, number 30. See him, number 30? All the guys he's sitting with over here forgot the block on that play. But you see there's <laughs> four. I think each one of those guys is almost bigger than Gio. Four. It's not easy. It's not easy. Here's a question. This is the most important question of all, and I'm deadly serious. When it comes to Christianity, what are we playing for? We are playing for a brand new body where I get to rule with Christ in heaven. I mean, I do. Either that's a joke or it's the greatest truth ever. I'm playing for the glory of the greatest man who ever walked this earth, the king. And someday, I'm going to be his co-heir. I'm going to rule this world with him. That's what I'm playing for. So, why are we surprised 
when the wolves bite and the bosses attack, the stakes are really high. 